Powered by Reb Media in partnership with TSN, this is Season 5, and this is Episode 23 of the Rain Dregs Hockey Podcast. And it is presented by our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey. And Ray, twice per week, I read this this series of merchandising headlines for Canadian Club Whiskey. Always happy to do it because we're introducing, yes, the first release of the Canadian Club Invitation Series CC 15-year-old Sherry Cask. Mm. And we were both gifted with a bottle of the 15-year-old Sherry Cask late last week. And instantly, I think you reached out to me first. Not that it matters. Have you tried the sherry cask yet? (laughs) It is delicious. And I had earlier that night, I think it was Saturday or something. Wow, is it good? Well, Landon, my son, came over. And so I said, hey, do you want to crack the bottle? He's like, yeah, sure. So we open it up. We have have a drink. And he's like, "Uh, what do you think another (laughs) (laughs) we pulled a u-turn and went back to the bottle again (laughs) it was fantastic yeah honestly i'm like i know they're our sponsor yeah yes it is delicious it is it is awesome and so my other son matt is coming back home tomorrow and um so I'm I'm not so sure how far this bottle is going to make it, but it's, it's delicious, outstanding, outstanding. Yeah. But you you're part American in terms of how you celebrate the holidays, obviously, yeah. right? So right. you're in full holiday mode. So whether or not the 15 year old Sherry Cask gets to Christmas Day, it's going to be tough. Boxing Day, it uh, might be tough, but that just yeah. means that you've enjoyed it and you've enjoyed time with family. So yes, absolutely. Good. Speaking of family, Ray, thoughts are with Tony Granato, your brother-in-law. Mm. Um, he announced his diagnosis of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, uh, I guess, on the weekend. Um, so I know that, you know, this is, uh, you know, troubling for you and for the mm. Granato family, obviously. Um, so there's the negative side. The positive side of this is, I know this, the Granados are a family of fighters. <laughs> so when I read it, uh, my heart sunk because... We had an exchange last week in, in prepping for the podcast where I could tell that something family-related was weighing on you. Mm. And then I went, okay, well, here it is. Um, but we always kind of throw out cancer's about to get its ass kicked. It, this applies to the diagnosis of Tony because he's, he's going to battle this. Yeah, you know, to- Tony really is just an amazing person. And... Um, I, I know I'm biased. He's my brother-in-law, and I love the guy. He's just an amazing person. But he is he is beloved in the hockey community. Mm-hmm. Like, the the people that know Tony, that have come across Tony, uh, fans or players or coaches or whatever it is, sure. um, they, just, they just love the guy. And, I mean, it was like a lightning bolt for us um, to hear about his diagnosis. And... Um, because I mean, he's the oldest of six. He's kind of like the, you know, like the, the bellwether of the family, every, everything kind of goes through Tony and, um, and he will, of course he'll fight, but he, it's just inherent in him. This, he, he came back after brain surgery Yeah, when he was injured, he, you know, was hit and hit the ice and ended up he needed brain surgery when he was playing in Los Angeles. He came back, 
scored 20 plus goals after he came back from this surgery. Like it's, it's just, um, he's a remarkable guy. And, you know, our family of course is, we're doing what we can to support and try and learn. And, you know, so many people have reached out with thoughts and ideas and talk to this and talk to that. And so we're just kind of getting through it, but he'll start his treatment pretty quickly. And, um, you know, we will, you know, we'll send our prayers of course, but Mm -hmm. we'll support. And, um, if you, if you can say, uh, send some thoughts to Tony because, um, you know, as we're learning, it's a lot different to say, oh, you know, this is Hockey Fights Cancer Month, but when it's in your family, it's yeah, it is uh, it is something different. And yeah. Um, yeah, Tony, you're the best, and um, we're we're all we're all standing with you. Yeah, well said, Ray, and uh, certainly everyone associated with the Ray and Regs podcast, including all of our fans, certainly wish Tony and family all the best. All right, uh, tough segue, but we'll get into the headlines <clears throat> presented by Tim Hortons where their holiday merchandise is now available. Uh, So you can help the Tim's lover in your life add to their collection with new versions of the Tim's holiday snow globe, ornaments, ceramic mugs, or the stainless steel travel book. Check it out only at Tim's. Big week, um, somewhat coincidentally for George Peros and the Department of Player Safety, because George uh, and company were at the Board of Governors meetings last week in Seattle, and we had a couple of exchanges, conversations, um, you know, about how kind of, inactive it was on that front right you know yeah he had some suspensions he had you know the McAvoy appeal and and things like that but it was pretty quiet and he said well be careful because it it can change very very quickly and did it change so Peros busy this week let's start with the David Perron six game suspension an in-person hearing yesterday now for those who haven't seen it and I'm sure all of our hockey listeners and, and and viewers have seen it it was an after-the-whistle play with Dylan Larkin motionless on the ice. And that's why, I, you know, I think you're the same. I had to go back and watch this like three or four times mm-hmm. just to take stock because automatically you're, you're drawn to, number one, how Dylan Larkin ended up motionless on the ice. You know, okay, well, Parker, can't, you know, this happens, that happens, and now you're worried about Dylan Larkin. And then you, you focus on what David Perron did. And you can hear the whistle, and then he circles around the outside of Dylan Larkin, takes, you know, as as the NHL video explains, takes several strides, which he did, and then cross-checks Ottawa's Artem Zub side of the head. Now, do I think that David Perron tried to to cross-check Zub in the side of the head? I don't think that was the intent, but he did that. That's what happened. And did it ride a bit off the shoulder? I mean, if we're splitting hairs, Ray, maybe... But it's still an unacceptable yeah. act, and and six games sounds like a lot, but I don't think that it could have been much less. Uh, I, I don't. I, I it's it was such a confusing, conflicted play, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. with you know, and all of a sudden Dylan Larkin's face down on the ice, and he got there somehow, and something happened, and but I couldn't tell, and I couldn't. You know, so I went back and watched it again and again and again. And it reminded me a little bit, Dregs. I don't know if you remember the, the play when Joe Pavelski got hurt in the playoffs against Vegas. Yeah. And face off. Yeah. And with Cody Eakin. And, and as you went back and looked at it, now they didn't have review at the time. Um, but the play, the play wasn't what you first thought. 
Right. And I would say the Larkin play was the same thing. It wasn't, mm-hmm. it didn't, it wasn't exactly what I thought it was. Uh, as for Perron, I mean, like, y- you can try and build a case. Oh, he emotional. He saw his captain lying on the ice, a teammate, and, and he reacted. It, none of that really can matter. It's, it's what he did that deserved a, a lengthy suspension. And, I, I mean, I, I don't ever think of David Perron as a dangerous or dirty player. No, I, no. I really don't. But I, I don't, I don't think the, I don't think it was too heavy a suspension. I mean, hell, Zub is waving for the trainer. Yeah. Yeah. If, you know, one second before he sees, like literally a second before he sees Perron coming, he's waving mm-hmm. to the trainer. And, you know, it, he kind of sort of gets his hands up, I guess, but, um, yeah, six is a six, six is pretty steep, but I, I, I don't think it could have been much less really. No. And, and there is a process here that David Perron can follow and the players association can follow. And that's an appeal process. And it seems highly likely that they file an appeal just right. based on his okay. agent, Alan Walsh responding the way he did on social media on, on right. And, night, and I right? think they should. I think they should appeal. And yeah, it doesn't mean I th- and it doesn't mean that I think the suspension should be um, shaved off a little bit. Um, the, the mechanisms there to appeal. And so, heck, you're sitting there anyway. You might as yeah. well. Um, here's the thing I, I've just I've never really agreed with from player safety uh, and the league is that that there is no injury. I, yeah. I, I really don't believe that that should be a factor because sometimes a player would just get lucky yeah. and not yeah. get hurt. And then other times, same play, a player gets hurt. You cross-check somebody in the head, it shouldn't matter if that player is hurt or not, Yeah, in, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Do you think it's just coincidence that, you know, in a couple of days span, we're starting to see a little bit more nastiness and a little bit more emotional? No. Or are we at a point in the, in the regular season now where most teams have played more than 25 games and you know what you are? Maybe you're frustrated with yourself, the team, all of that. And emotions just elevate as the season progresses. Yeah, I'm I'm totally in that camp, Dregs. I, I, I you're tired, you're yeah. worn down, you're you know you're a little frayed, your nerves are a little different, um, maybe your patience mm-hmm. is a little less. Uh, you know, all those things kind of play into it, and um, and I and I think I don't have this number, but I would suspect suspensions. Um, you know, multiply as the season goes on, like mm-hmm. just, just for that reason. I think early on, you know, there's a little freshness to the year, but you know, we're a third of the way through now mm-hmm. and you're, you're right. Some, some teams and some players are, are not off to the starts they want. Some are, you know, you get caught on more back to backs. You're tired. You just think of how you are in your life when you're tired, yeah. you're yeah. more frustrated. And I, I think that all adds in. Well, two very aggressive suspensions. I mean, the numbers don't don't match. And, you know, David Perron's we've talked about, gets six games for his cross-check. Eric Goodbranson of the Columbus Blue Jackets suspended one game for aggressive retaliation. Now, again, if, if those listening or watching didn't see it, you know, you can find the video. It's pretty easy. Uh, Nick Cousins of the Florida Panthers received a major in the third period for boarding Goodbranson. Um, then it was reduced to a minor penalty. So maybe Eric is is 
pissed off because it was the penalty was reduced from a major to a minor or first opportunity to you know kind of get his own sort of retribution um mm-hmm. a harmless enough play i mean cousins is just trying to get the puck to i think matthew kachuk wasn't he makes the pass and gets absolutely gang tackled and pummeled by Goodbranson along the boards i is it a one game suspension just for losing his mind in the fashion that he did given the circumstance and the level of retaliation? I think they both should have been suspended. You didn't like the board. It should have been upheld on the major. Yeah. Or the, it should have been upheld as a major. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Like if, if they uphold that as a major, yeah. The second part of that play where good Branson gets them up the ice. I don't know. It was a few minutes later. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That probably doesn't happen. It, it, I just, I don't like, I, I don't know how you could look at that play and think it's okay. Although I talked to a couple people who thought it was fine. Oh, you know, he didn't quite get to where he's going. Uh, well, too bad. You smashed his face into the glass. Mm-hmm. It's just like, if I were Minnesota, I would be really sour that I'm without one of my better defensemen in Jonas Brodeen after yeah. Evander Kane hit him in the numbers in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just don't. I, I get what's trying to happen. That forward is trying to get to the front shoulder of the defenseman. Yeah. Like that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to head him off and make some contact. And if you don't quite get there, you hit him right in the numbers. And yeah. that's, I, I don't think, I don't think Kane had any intent. I don't think Cousins had any intent of driving the guy's face into the boards, but that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Guys don't sometimes intend to trip somebody else and they do and they still get a penalty, they don't say, oh, gee, I know you didn't mean that. We're not going to give you a penalty. You still get a penalty. And so I, I don't, I I don't, I don't, I didn't like in particular, well, two things. I didn't like the Kane didn't get a penalty. And on that play, there's a Hartman retaliates somewhere along the line. Edmonton ended up with a power play and scored Mm -hmm. on the power play. And then I didn't like the cousins major was reduced to a minor. I didn't, I didn't like either of those. Well, let's let's add one more to the pile, and that is the Ryan Strom knee-on-knee hit with Winnipeg's mm-hmm. Kyle Connor. Uh, major penalty called there. No suspension. That's frustrating to Winnipeg Jets fans. But, again, I think we have to understand how the Department of Player Safety goes through this. Uh, it's not just George. George Peros ultimately will make mm-hmm. the call on whether there's a hearing and what the suspension number should be. There are other voices that are included in that. But but the process is several people that Peros trusts, hockey people, um, have a look at the video countless times, and then they supply their opinion. And he decides whether or not it's it's right. worthy of moving forward. So the, the the explanation I got yesterday for there not being supplemental discipline or follow-up to the Strom hit on Connor was that he did not extend and he didn't change his stance, right? So Strom is wide coming across there and he doesn't throw the knee out as some suggests he he did. He didn't. He, he maintained right. his stance. But my opinion, and debate me on this, he can see that Connor is right there in the trolley tracks, right? Why mm-hmm. shouldn't he have to change his stance, right? Like he could have made an adjustment to hit him upper body, in my opinion. Ryan Strom could okay. have hit Kyle Connor shoulder to shoulder coming across. Instead, he stays wide on him, 
Connor is looking the other way. And I'm, I'm not saying it was a malicious play. I feel like the knee on knee could have been avoided. There could have been a different way yep. to make contact, but that's department of player safety doesn't apply supplemental discipline that way. No. Okay. So that play is like, um, it's a, in a, in a sense, right? So you got to, maybe it's a little bit of a leap here, but you got to follow me on this is that okay. it's like a football hit. When a, when a linebacker goes to hit a running back, for example, mm -hmm. they square up shoulder to shoulder and they make the contact. The problem is in football, <clears throat> they're launching forward right. when they're making that hit. Mm -hmm. In hockey, you don't launch forward. So it's a shoulder to shoulder square up hit. The problem is if your shoulders don't get over your feet, the first thing that makes contact is your knees because yeah. that means if your if your shoulders aren't first, something's going to be first, and that's going to be because you're bent yeah. in a skating position. It's going to be your knees. Yeah. So the contact is likely going to be knee on knee, and if most most of those hits, if you look at the shoulders, are square up. The second part of that is yes, he could turn, but. One of the things you try to do when you're defending, like when you don't have the puck, is occupy space. Right. And you're not going to try and occupy less space. Yeah. You're going to try and occupy as much space as you can. Yeah. And those, in my opinion, anyway, those two factors lead to uh, the play where Connor receives a knee-on-knee -knee hit. And yeah. it sucks because I would be sour if that was me or if it was my player. Yeah, I, I really would be, um, but I I do think five minutes is hmm. is kind of the call that should be made there. Well, and look, I mean, I, again, I I want to make it clear. I don't think it was a malicious play. When you go into something nope. like that, nobody look. We can go back to the to the good old days. God rest his soul, Brian Marchman. <laughs> I mean, the way he used to play. Of course, you knew when you especially. I mean, you you understood. When you he knew was on what the he ice. was doing, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think like it's it's not even a 50-50 proposition that you both could get seriously injured. You're going knee on knee. I, I mean, nobody wants. I don't think in today's world is intentionally trying to do that. So I can understand the position of of supplemental discipline in the Department of Player Safety, but I I agree with you. I think they they have reason to be sour. Uh, okay. Onto the more tamer side of the game. John Tavares hits 1,000 points with a couple of points last night. Uh, two points, as I say, including the assist on the tying goal for the Toronto Maple Leafs, which forced overtime at UBS Arena against his former club, the New York Islanders. Mm -hmm. Just kind of fitting, right? I mean, even though he knew what to expect. I mean, the first time he, he faced off at, at UBS last night, they're booing. This isn't new to Tavares. <clears throat> I mean... You know, it's not a friendly environment for him anymore. But were you always fired up for games when you were, were, were like when you went back to the island, as an example? Mm. Were you fired up to play there or any of the previous oh, yeah. stops? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So Tavares would have been juiced and ready for that one last Yeah, night. yeah. I don't, I don't think it ever changes. You always, even when you're, maybe if you get a couple of teams past the one team, you're like, eh, yeah, <laughs> just you know, somewhere on the road by then. But when I went back to Hartford uh, the first time, uh, when I went back to the island, um, you know, I I wanted to play well. I know I scored my first game back on the island. 
<laughs> and that felt really, really great. Um, did you get cheered or did, were they booing? No, they were nice to me. They were good oh, to me. Good I was, again. Uh, and I was with the Rangers. I, they were nice, but then I think they realized I was wearing a Rangers jersey, and then that was the end of that. Um, it's it's all part of it. I think you, you know, everybody understands what's going on, right? And yeah, so the player yeah. kind of chews on it. What was kind of neat was it was the father's trip. Okay. And so yeah. uh, uh, last night, and so John's, you know, John's dad's at the game, and um, I think that's a. Yeah. Pretty incredible he was so milestone. Fired up. <laughs> but just, just like how fortunate that it happens to be that time that you happen to be there. That yeah, you know that all those things work out. So it was. I don't. Know, I like stuff like that. So it was. Uh, sure. It was pretty cool that it that it ended up as it did. Uh, speaking of the Maple Leafs, uh, are you good with the, their goaltending tandem right now? I mean, because of injury, we know Joel Wool is is. Out with a high ankle, it's at least six weeks. So now you're looking late January, early February for him to come back. And we were at that game. It was uh, uh, Toronto and Ottawa, and he was lights out good prior to that injury. So this is a significant loss. I thought Samsonov on Saturday was really, really good, but probably yeah. more so because the team played so well around him, right? Um, less so last night. He wasn't leaky, but there was a looseness about the way yeah. the team played. Um, and he, you know, he didn't make that ten beller, you know, to 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 save him. So when you look at the combo of Marty Jones, um, who I know you're a fan of historically, and Ilya Samsonov, what do you see? Well, um, I mean, you know, Martin. I, you know, I've known Martin since he's, geez, what, was twelve years old, and yeah. uh, um, you know, North Shore Winter Club in Vancouver, and. Yeah. Landon played at Burnaby Winter Club, so they were like big rivals. And, you know, we saw Jonesy a lot. And, um, so he signed in Toronto because, you know, as, as teams were looking for a veteran third goalie, it was the thought of being able to sign and stay in the city if you're in the American League that you that the NHL team in was a, you know, was a bonus for him. Um, you know, you're one injury away from getting in and, all of a sudden now he's here. And, um, but I, I mean, when you say, are you good with it? I, 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 I guess you'd always like to hope you can hold water until your starter gets back. Um, it tells you how precarious their goaltending is though. Yeah. You know, their, their best guy is a relatively untrue or untried guy. Mm -hmm. And that's in Joe Wool. And, you know, Samsonoff's, had a had a he had a, a good year last year. I think I think you would categorize it as a good year. Mm -hmm. um, he's had bouts of leakiness that have plagued him since being a first round pick in Washington. And I I, I guess you have to hope that the goaltending. When you say are you good with it, you have to hope it's adequate. Yeah, like it doesn't have to be the best, but it can't be the worst. All right, and and in particular because you're. You're not behind six Norris Trophy winners there on the blue line, <laughs> so th that that whole the back end of their team has to really. I think they've all got to realize this is a a little bit different spot yeah. for them, and it it may require them to play a little bit differently than they're comfortable playing. Right. By the way, let's rewind just a little bit because I do want um, you know your opinion on on the tying goal, which forced overtime. 
Uh, and that was the second assist for, for John Tavares, goal scored by Morgan Riley. But the, the, the National Hockey League had given the Toronto Maple Leafs permission, right? If, right. if Tavares gets the 1,000 point, which he did, clear the bench. Everybody quickly come onto the ice, have a celebration, mm-hmm. and then let's get back at it. And that's the way it, it unfolded perfectly, yeah. though, right? Like it wasn't the, it was a, it was a to do. Like there, you know, I yeah. mean, you could, tell that everybody was over the moon happy but it didn't drag on for like two three minutes either you know everybody no. did their thing and no. left you know what's funny is uh the game i did last what was it thursday i guess was in washington and uh ovi uh ovi got his 1500th point <laughs> so one of the dallas players is standing there and they've got a little thing up on the board for him and and you couldn't when you're on the ice, you can't really hear it sometimes. And so the player says to me, is that for his thousandth point? And I go, no. I go, no, 1,500. And the guy goes, whoa, that's a lot of points. I go, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. He wasn't even close. He's like, is that a 1,000 points? Wasn't it like a couple of seasons ago when Gretz, Wayne Gretzky on the TNT panel said, well, the first 800 goals are easy. <laughs> right, right. They just fly. Yeah, yeah, they just fly by. And I'll tell you, Ovi's got some work to do. It's not it. It's not going to be as easy as it, it may have looked. But that's why I bring it up because maybe Wayne wasn't necessarily joking at the time. Of course, he's having some fun with it, right? And and you know, he talked about how he he hopes Ovechkin catches him. <laughs> there was some truth in that statement because. I, I, I'm still a believer in Ovechkin. I, I think it's going to be a real difficult challenge for him to catch that one. But what's undeniable is the legs aren't what they used to be anymore. Well, I'm telling you, uh, just wa- I've watched him twice this year. Yeah. And co- two things really stand out for me. Uh, one is their power play is no good, yeah. which forever it's always been good. And that's always 10 to 15 goals a year for Ovi on yeah. the power play. In that power play, teams now are killing with such big people yeah. that the guy that takes away Ovi's one-timer, who kind of stands in his pocket, he's also big enough to play the low pass too. Mm. So it's not really a four-on-three if they just took Ovi away. It's kind of like... They got to find a way to get him more involved. Otherwise, he's just a pedestrian standing there. Number two is off the rush <clears throat> is going to be really difficult for two reasons. One, he doesn't skate like he used to skate. Right. Certainly, so far this year, he looks he looks like time got him. The second part is they don't really have a a transporter with the puck mm. for him, and he's not going to create mm. space himself. So. That that there's those are two real big challenges as I see it. Hmm. Uh, messy third period for the Calgary Flames last night. They give up three to Colorado in a six-five loss. Miko Rantanen with a goal and two assists. And I remember at the start of the season, I mean, Colorado's so easy to talk about because they've got yeah. so many different options to talk about. But you had mentioned Miko Rantanen and just how much oh, you, you love you that love guy, the way he plays. Yeah. He was fired up post game uh, over Arturi Lekkinen's dad. I guess is it Ismo? He's a he's yeah. a Finnish broadcaster, yeah. right? Ismo yeah. Lekkinen. Um, so 
Do you want to hear the sound? You want to hear the sound bite? I, I think everybody's heard oh, sure, it. Yeah. Why don't we play this sound bite sure. and then we'll respond to it after that? Actually, one thing where I got a lot of extra energy, you know, one of our Finnish NHL players' dad was talking shit about me in media that I didn't train last summer like I used to do, and, and uh, he was just making making things up. So I think that was that was for him, you know. Uh, if you, if you talk shit, it's going to come back at you. So. <laughs> the Mika Ranton. Now, how difficult a conversation is that to have with our Terry? <laughs> He's talking about his dad, which is fine. I mean, well, okay. if, if dad is going public and, and ripping Miko, mm-hmm. then all bets are off, right? Yeah, but Dregs, you, you've met and talked to a lot of Finnish yes, people. Yeah. Subtlety is not there. It's not their way. Like you're like, how difficult a conversation? They're gonna have that at breakfast. <laughs> yeah, we having fair. a coffee. He's like, yeah, tell your dad to zip it. <laughs> that's that's gonna be about how quick that goes. But I'll, I'll tell you, it's like, so obviously Landon was playing, and I'm broadcasting, and you know, I'm sure he heard more than once. Hey, your dad's got a big freaking mouth. You know, like, <laughs> oh, no doubt. Yeah. And so what's the kid going to do? He's like, well, I don't know. We'll go tell him. Like, I don't know. So it it is kind of funny. I mean, they're on the same team and Miko didn't appreciate <laughs> his opinion. That's for sure. Well, whatever motivates you. But clearly yeah. he was motivated by Isma Lekanin. So anyway, good sound bite. Those are your headlines. Thank you to Tim Hortons. Our interviews on Ray and Dregs brought to us by Canadian Club Whiskey. Off the top of the pod, we talked about the introduction of the first release of the CC Invitation Series. CC's 15-year-old Sherry Cask. It's wonderful. Get out. Trust me, you'll enjoy it for a holidays. All the hallmarks of classic Canadian club with the added richness and sweetness of Sherry. couple of submissions for Ask Ray and Dregs Anything, right? And if you're interested, you can send us your questions or comments to our social accounts at Raindregs or on our website, raindregs.com. Uh, Scott Wilson wants to clarify the decentralizing of the NHL draft. And he makes the point, and, and it's a good one. It just means that the teams aren't sending their entire hockey operations department to the city of the draft, right? Because there's a right. lot going on at that time of the year, especially now right. with the network's liking the fact that we've dragged the draft into late June. Well, what happens after the draft in late June? You've got free agency just a few days after that, and it really makes it tough on the general managers and management of these NHL clubs. So, you know, to clarify, there is still going to be significant NHL club presence in the city of the draft, on the floor of the draft. You know, Do you think so? Well, that's what they Uh, keep reminding us. They keep reminding us. I don't like it because I think it takes away from the experience of the player, even though you're going to have pictures, those guys will go to their home cities and away they go. But you're saying like there's going to be significant team presence at the draft. Well, that's what they tell us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so what do you mean? You're going to have the general manager and the two assistant general managers and the head scout in city of draft and everybody else is going to be trying to connect yeah via phone yeah from the war room in the in the city of the team like yeah. how's that going to work i i don't i don't see how logistically that's a fit yeah i i, I think what you have is 
you have a, it's going to be basically like the NBA draft yeah, and the NFL draft. The teams are in their facility where they have everybody together in one place, which is the same place that they're running free agency out of. Yeah. Like it, it I just don't see how you're going to split management teams up so you could have a, a representative, you know, what might be there, which would be really cool. What if, of course, I just, Thinking off the top of my head here, Dregs, what if, what if each team had a couple of their um, legacy players at the draft? Mm. And so, you, you know, like Pittsburgh would have Mario Lemieux at the draft to hand yeah. out the jersey to, sure. you know, with, with the commissioner to, to the player that they draft. You know, like go through any team like that. And I think it would be it would be kind of cool for that to happen. But I sure the complication of getting everybody to and from and the expense to and from and I I get it I get yeah. I get why why they're leaning that way. Yeah, and I think it will still be a live draft, so that isn't going to change. Yep. But I again at the board of governors meetings last week, I had a team come to me uh, and look. The majority, vast majority of NHL clubs, you know, wanted to decentralize for all of what we've talked about here. But I had one, and I think there are probably four or five that would fit into this group. If you're a young manager or a young member of management, having an opportunity like you have at the draft to have face-to-face conversation, to meet guys and all of that, highly valuable. And I had one team uh, in Seattle say, man, we were vehemently opposed for that reason. You know, younger management, they're just trying to get going, you know, get their, their legs under them. And, and it's, it's valuable to be in the same city, in the same hotel, or, you know, having just sometimes casual, sometimes okay, you know, so pretty don't they have Okay, so don't they have the Board of Governors meetings? Don't they have yeah, the General yeah. Managers meetings? Yeah, do it there. I'll do it there then. Yeah. I mean, there's always a way around it. And the fact of the matter, the expense and the logistics are really difficult. Yeah. And it's not like it used to be where teams would have six or eight people at the table. Not that way anymore. All right. Ivan Adams has a final question for us here in Ask Grand Dregs. Has it ever been pushed by either side, be it the NHL or the Players Association, the salary cap be post-tax to level the playing field? Certain cities like New York draw high-profile players, but so do low-tax cities. So if the money meant the same in all th- all 32 cities, wouldn't it be more fair? I think it kind of defeats the whole purpose. Like, you know, the, the salary cap, the way it's designed now, you know, creates a more level playing field, right? Because if you're talking post-tax dollars, unless I'm misunderstanding his point or the question here, if New York and Toronto um, had a cap that was post and could pay Matthews and Nylander and all these guys more to to, to, well, to I, get I, back I think, because they're in a higher tax market, I don't think that would fly. Well, I, I think I think he's probably you know looking at Tampa that yeah. is able to pay players in because of their no state tax. Sure, but. Okay, so in theory, great, sounds fine. What happens if Tampa trades a player to Toronto? Yeah. What happens to his salary? Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it, it would like, get convoluted it, it just, in a hurry. No, yeah. well, not convoluted. It would be impossible. Yeah, it's it, hard it really now. would be. It, right? Like it, it would be impossible to. So some guys would get a raise, and some guys would get pay cuts, and yeah. you know, like that. That's <laughs> not going to fly. Yeah. No. Anyway, in theory, it was worth bringing up, but uh, I don't think we can find a way to support that. All right. You're in Edmonton, correct? I am. Uh, so the Oilers are zipping along here, seven-game winning streak. Yeah. They're back yeah. to 500 since the the first day of the season for yeah. the first time. How about this, though? Like, we said this last last pod that, you know, like I'm like, there's a lot of wins coming in a row here. Mm-hmm. The last couple of years, the Oilers have done this. They've had a long stretch where they've just hit every note. Right. Last year, they finished the season 18-2-1. Now yeah. they're 7-0. and Their team record is nine straight wins. I, I They should win tonight. Chicago's here. Seth Jones isn't here. He's not going to play tonight. Yeah. They've got three defensemen. Well, actually, I'm going to get, let me get this so I don't screw it up. So they've got four defensemen with a combined hundred games playing tonight. Yeah. A combined hundred. (laughs) And so, and the Oilers are, yeah, man, they're hitting it on all, you know, on all, all cylinders right now. It's seven straight multi-point games for McDavid, whatever that mid body injury was that was bugging him. That's long gone. That's because, not bugging him anymore. Oh boy. He's yeah. So yeah. So I got Edmonton, Chicago tonight and then uh, home for Florida, Vancouver on Thursday. Nice. Sounds good. All right. Well, we'll How about uh, you? I'll let you yeah. get on with your day. You know what? Pretty standard. We've got the Leafs and the Rangers on TSN tonight as they play back to back there. Uh, I'm looking forward to that one because the Rangers, as we've talked about here, man, they're, they're a story. And, uh, Igor Shesterkin always seems to light up the Leafs. He just yeah. always seems to find a way. So looking forward to that. And then just kind of, you know what I count the days to? So I don't even know. What's the date today? The 12th? Yeah. December You're not counting 12th? it that. It's pretty hard to count it if you don't know today's the 12th. Well, I, I, I start around the 15th of December and I count to the holiday roster freeze. Oh, because then That's you can take a I breath. Yeah. Yes. Then we're sit back and just chill for a week or 10 days or whatever the hell it is. So that's what I'm looking you know what? forward to. The freeze. I got one thing to say about the Rangers. You know, you asked earlier, are you okay yeah. with the Leafs goaltending? Would you have bet Jonathan Quick would be 8 0 no. 1? No. Man, no. Amazing. He's had an no. amazing start. That, no. Talk about a guy that is a battler. <laughs> Until until the last time he pulls his skates off, that guy is going to battle. Yeah. And I thought last year in Vegas, I'm like, you know what? It looks like it's getting a little quick for him, here, a little fast for him. And apparently not. He's been he's been amazing <laughs> Great this story. year. Yeah. All right, buddy. We'll let you get on with your day. It's going to be a busy one, and uh, we'll reconnect on Thursday or Friday, whatever the the guru of the pods, Ryan Rashog, decides. Hard to believe, eh? We're going to listen to him. (laughs) Life's changed. Thanks for listening, everybody. Rashad's going to figure this out for next time. And thank you to our sponsors who continue to support our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey, and, of course, Tim Hortons. And, yes, thanks to you for sharing, for rating, for listening, and for following us on the Rain Dregs YouTube channel. Until next time, stay safe, everybody.